Hello, friends. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We read this in God's Word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16-18. through 18. Today is November 24th, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is a joy to be reading the Scriptures with you. We are grateful to learn of more podcast listeners finding and subscribing to this podcast and hope that they will continue on our Bible reading adventure. One reader recently wrote to tell us that he discovered the one-year Bible podcast on his Android device recently and has been listening daily ever since. He writes that he has used the one-year Bible reading plan for over 30 years. It is a wonderful way to feed on the bread of life, he says, as long as you don't let it become rote. And he has found that reading along with this podcast encourages him, as well as the accompanying biblical and cultural commentary. We hope that this is the case with you who are listening today. We want to be helpers of your joy. Today we come to the end of the book of Ezekiel. Although Bible scholars have questions about which temple the vision of Ezekiel refers to and whether to focus on literal or figurative interpretations, we know that all Scripture is profitable for us and that there are take-home lessons here that relate to the current role of believers as a kingdom of priests in the service of our perfect high priest and king after the order of Melchizedek, the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect mediator between man and God, God and man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Today we reach another milestone. We come to the conclusion of the book of Ezekiel today and start the book of Daniel tomorrow. Yesterday we found that the reading from 1 Peter describing believers as a royal priesthood and holy nation wonderfully complemented our reading from the book of Ezekiel. We will be reading the final two chapters of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapters 47 and 48, beginning with chapter 47, Water Flowing from the Temple. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate, and led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits, and then led me through the water, and it was ankle-deep. Again he measured a thousand, and led me through the water, and it was knee-deep. Again he measured a thousand, and led me through the water, and it was waist-deep. Again he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, and goes down into the Arabah, and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh, and wherever the river goes, 
every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea, from Engedi to Enaglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Division of the Land Thus says the Lord God, This is the boundary by which you shall divide the land for inheritance among the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions, and you shall divide equally what I swore to give to your fathers. This land shall fall to you as your inheritance. This shall be the boundary of the land. On the north side, from the great sea by way of Hethlon and Lebohamath, and on to Zedad, Berothah, Sibraim, which lies on the border between Damascus and Hamath, as far as Hazer Hatikon, which is on the border of Haron. So the boundary shall run from the sea to Hazer Enan, which is on the northern border of Damascus, with the border of Hamath to the north. This shall be the north side. On the east side, the boundary shall run between Haran and Damascus, along the Jordan between Gilead and the land of Israel, to the eastern sea and as far as Tamar. This shall be the east side. On the south side, it shall run from Tamar as far as the waters of Meribah Kadesh, from there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea. This shall be the south side. On the west side, the great sea shall be the boundary to a point opposite Lebohamath. This shall be the west side. So you shall divide this land among you according to the tribes of Israel. You shall allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the sojourners who reside among you and have had children among you. They shall be to you as native-born children of Israel. With you they shall be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the sojourner resides, there you shall assign him his inheritance, declares the Lord God. Chapter 48 These are the names of the tribes, beginning at the northern extreme, beside the way of Hethlon to Lebohamath, as far as Hazar-Anan, which is on the northern border of Damascus, over against Hamath, and extending from the east side to the west, Dan, one portion adjoining the territory of Dan, from the east side to the west, Asher, one portion, adjoining the territory of Asher, from the east side to the west, Naphtali, one portion, adjoining the territory of Naphtali, from the east side to the west, Manasseh, one portion, adjoining the territory of Manasseh, from the east side to the west, Ephraim, one portion, adjoining the territory of Ephraim, from the east side to the west, Reuben, one portion, adjoining the territory of Reuben, from the east side to the west, 
Judah one portion. Adjoining the territory of Judah, from the east side to the west, shall be the portion which you shall set apart, twenty-five thousand cubits in breadth, and in length equal to one of the tribal portions, from the east side to the west, with a sanctuary in the midst of it. The portion that you shall set apart for the Lord shall be twenty-five thousand cubits in length, and twenty thousand in breadth. These shall be the allotments of the holy portion. The priest shall have an allotment measuring twenty-five thousand cubits on the northern side, ten thousand cubits in breadth on the western side, ten thousand in breadth on the eastern side, and twenty-five thousand in length on the southern side, with the sanctuary of the Lord in the midst of it. This shall be for the consecrated priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept my charge, who did not go astray when the people of Israel went astray, as the Levites did. And it shall belong to them as a special portion from the holy portion of the land, a most holy place, adjoining the territory of the Levites. And alongside the territory of the priests, the Levites shall have an allotment twenty-five thousand cubits in length and ten thousand in breadth. The whole length shall be twenty-five thousand cubits, and the breadth twenty thousand. They shall not sell or exchange any of it. They shall not alienate this choice portion of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. The remainder, five thousand cubits in breadth and twenty-five thousand in length, shall be for common use for the city, for dwellings and for open country. In the midst of it shall be the city, and these shall be the measurements, the north side, 4,500 cubits, the south side, 4,500, the east side, 4,500, and the west side, 4,500. And the city shall have open land, on the north, 250 cubits, on the south, 250, on the east, 250, and on the west, 250. The remainder of the length alongside the holy portion shall be ten thousand cubits to the east and ten thousand to the west, and it shall be alongside the holy portion. Its produce shall be food for the workers of the city. And the workers of the city, from all the tribes of Israel, shall till it. The whole portion that you shall set apart shall be twenty-five thousand cubits square, that is, the holy portion together with the property of the city. What remains on both sides of the holy portion and of the property of the city shall belong to the prince, extending from the twenty-five thousand cubits of the holy portion to the east border, and westward from the twenty-five thousand cubits to the west border, parallel to the tribal portions, it shall belong to the prince. The holy portion with the sanctuary of the temple shall be in its midst. It shall be separate from the property of the Levites and the property of the city, which are in the midst of that which belongs to the prince. The portion of the prince shall lie between the territory of Judah and the territory of Benjamin. As for the rest of the tribes, from the east side to the west, Benjamin one portion. Adjoining the territory of Benjamin, from the east side to the west, Simeon one portion. Adjoining the territory of Simeon, from the east side to the west, Issachar, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Issachar, from the east side to the west, Zebulun, one portion. Adjoining the territory of Zebulun, from the east side to the west, Gad, one portion. And adjoining the territory of Gad to the south, the boundary shall run from Tamar to the waters of Meribah Kadesh, 
from there along the brook of Egypt to the great sea. This is the land that you shall allot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel, and these are their portions, declares the Lord God. The gates of the city. These shall be the exits of the city. On the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Reuben, the gate of Judah, and the gate of Levi, the gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. On the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Joseph, the gate of Benjamin, and the gate of Dan. On the south side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gate of Simeon, the gate of Issachar, and the gate of Zebulun. On the west side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gate of Gad, the gate of Asher, and the gate of Naphtali. The circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that time on shall be, The Lord is There. And this concludes our reading from the book of Ezekiel, and it concludes the book of Ezekiel. And now, as is our custom, let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. In chapter 47, Ezekiel once again is guided by the man, the angel who has been serving as his tour guide in the temple and providing specific measurements. We met him in chapter 40, verse 3. So he brought me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, with a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he was standing in the gateway. In chapter 47, verse 1, we read, And he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east, and the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from south of the altar. There are many profound parallels between Ezekiel's vision of the river of life in Ezekiel chapter 47 and the river of the water of life that the Apostle John describes in Revelation chapter 22. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 7 we read, Now when I had returned, behold, on the bank of the river there were very many trees on the one side and on the other. And in Revelation chapter 22 verses 1 and 2 we read, then he showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The river brings life wherever it goes. In Ezekiel 47 verse 9, it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live, and there will be very many fish, for these waters go there and the waters become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Trees flourish and produce leaves that have healing value. In verse 12, by the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary, and their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. The water that comes from the temple flows by way of the altar, which we have come to learn to mean the cross, over the thresholds of the south side of the house, and traveling to the east, vivifying all that is in its path. Some commentators see the river following the natural contours of the Kidron Valley, 
and then through the Wadi Enar, which finally turns eastward on the Jericho Road to the Dead Sea. However, we learn from the prophets Joel and Zechariah that there will be a drastic change in the topography when the Messiah returns and splits the Mount of Olives in two. This will create a valley which would give the water a more direct route to the Dead Sea. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, we read, In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. You will flee by the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel, yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. In that day there will be no light, the luminaries will dwindle. For it will be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but it will come about that at evening time there will be light. And in that day living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. Jerusalem has no flowing rivers or perennial streams, but it does have eight to ten springs, systems of cisterns, reservoirs, conduits, and aqueducts that give the city an ample supply of water. The idea of water literally flowing from the Temple Mount is certainly plausible. In Joel chapter 3 verse 18, and in that day the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah will flow with water. And a spring will go out from the house of the Lord to water the valley of Shittim. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1, In that day a fountain will be opened for the house of David, and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for impurity. These waters are meant to impact us. The angel guide leads Ezekiel through the water. He is to experience the water of life coming from the throne. He starts wading in the waters, first ankle-deep, then knee-deep, then to the waist, and finally he is meant to be swimming in it. And so are we, and we are never the same. Living water is a major theme in the New Testament. Drink it, and you never thirst again. Such is the life of Christ mediated to us by the person of the Holy Spirit. When we put our faith in Christ, we become alive to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in the Spirit into the body of Christ, and we are all made to drink of one Spirit. There is only one source of water supply in God's kingdom. It is Christ. We must turn away from our idols and heed the words of Jesus. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. John's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. He ministers the life of Christ to us and in us, so his ministry can flow through us. Jerusalem is located 34 miles east of the Mediterranean and 24 miles west of the Dead Sea. The Ophel Moriah Ridge, which includes the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and Mount Calvary or Golgotha, 
is at 2,500 feet above sea level. The Dead Sea is the lowest depression on Earth at 1,292 feet below sea level. Currently, the Dead Sea is 26% mineral content compared to normal seawater, which averages 4% to 6%. Because of this extremely high mineral content, the water is toxic to aquatic life. But when this new source of water flows into it, all that will change. The toxic water will become fresh. In verse 8, the desert of Engedi on the western shore will become a fishing area. Water from the sanctuary will cause the fruit-bearing trees on both sides of the river to flourish. In chapter 48, the Lord gives instructions for the apportioning of land to the tribes of Israel. Unlike the earlier divisions of lands in the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, this will not be determined by the casting of lots, but by the word of God. The land will be assigned to the tribes with their original tribal names, each tribe will receive the same size allotment. Allotments are given to the priests, the sons of Zadok and the Levites in the sacred district. Chapter 45, verses 1 through 8. Chapter 48, verses 8 through 20. Land will be allotted to the prince on both sides of the sacred district. In chapter 48, verses 21 and 22. Provision is also made for foreigners who are adopted into the family community. In Ezekiel 47, verse 22, we read, You will allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners living among you, who have fathered children among you. You will treat them like native-born Israelites. Along with you, they will be allotted an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. The book closes with the description of the eternal city, chapter 48, verses 30 through 35. The city is not named, but it is clearly the new Jerusalem and will be named The Lord is There. Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. Again, we encourage you, if you want to see some charts and maps, to go to our website, newlife.org, and subscribe to the written copy of our commentary. Now let's move on to our New Testament reading from Peter's first epistle, 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 11, and we will read through to chapter 3, verse 7. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, 
this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Chapter 3 Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament portion today from Peter's first epistle. Peter reminds us we are aliens and strangers. Because we are citizens of heaven and have been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, we are no longer at home in this world. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we represent the values of the kingdom that will come to fulfillment in the future. We see what the kingdom rule of God is like in Jesus. God's glorious presence tabernacled in His human body. The Apostle John could say, We beheld His glory. Because we belong to heaven, we are called to be proactive in purging ourselves from the fleshly lusts that war against our souls, and we are called to represent the kingdom life to come now. Peter, who gave us an example of sanctified civil disobedience in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, reminds believers that they are to respect those in authority even if they don't agree with them in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. He gives the example of Jesus Christ, who lived moment by moment in a world in which governments were hostile to him, entrusting himself to him, that is God the Father, who judges righteously. Peter also interprets Isaiah 53 as a prophecy about Jesus Christ reconciling guilty sinners who like sheep have gone astray. The healing here refers primarily to having the breach between man and God healed. Elsewhere in the New Testament, it also includes the full aspect of redemption that includes the redemption of the physical body in both temporal healing and eternal glorification. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. In chapter 3, 
Peter continues the theme of submission, now addressing wives in relationship to their husbands. He gives the example of Sarah being submissive to Abraham and cooperating with his walk of faith. Women are encouraged to win their unbelieving husbands to Christ by living an exemplary life of kind deeds reflecting the love of Christ. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, the Bible's prayer and song book. And we are in Psalm 119, and we will read from verse 49 to verse 64. And these next eight verses all begin with the Hebrew letter Zayin. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, that I have kept your precepts. And the next eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Heth. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. The Word gives us hope in verse 49 comfort and revival in affliction in verse 50. The word gives us songs in the house of our pilgrimage in verse 54. The psalmist takes God's word to heart and makes it his own in verse 56. Can you say this? The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. Psalm 119 verse 57. It is only because he is our portion that we can say that. Verse 63 beautifully reflects New Testament church life. I am a friend of all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts. Psalm 119, verse 63. And now we conclude today's excursion in our Bible reading tour with a trip to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 28, verses 12 and 13. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory, but when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. This proverb reminds us that righteousness exalts a nation. We are to pray for good government in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. When those who pursue righteousness have to hide, it is a time of trouble. We all need to walk in the light. Those who confess their sins will find mercy in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Now let's surrender ourselves afresh to the Lord in prayer as we pray in the light of God's Word. Gracious God, you have provided us who were dead in our sins a resurrection life source in Christ Jesus. We drink from the well of his salvation and are satisfied. Through his redemptive work, we have forgiveness of sins and deliverance from the kingdom of darkness. 
As citizens of heaven, the Holy Spirit is at work reproducing the fruit of His character in us. Thank you for the friendship we have with those who fear you. Teach us to humbly submit to your word and fulfill our calling. Continue to give us hope, comfort, light, and new songs as we abide in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer is that you will continue to enjoy this day in the spirit of thanksgiving. And may your hearts be established in peace through the righteousness of his work on the cross. And may the joy of the Holy Spirit flood you this day. In Jesus' name, may you enjoy shalom, wholeness.